Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. There's lots of places y'all could have been today, and we're grateful that you chose to spend some of your Christmas Eve with us. As we start, a little experiment, if you would be willing, close your eyes. I want you to try to clear your mind as much as you're able on a busy day. Just try to clear your mind. And I'm going to say a word, and I want you to grab onto the first thing that pops into your head. It may be an image. It may be a memory. It may be other words. So eyes closed. Take a breath. Clear your mind. And here's the word. Love. And you open your eyes. So everybody had something. I bet everything under my tree. Nobody, when you hear the word love, has a blank Slate. We all think of something when we think of love. Some things that people think about on the screen behind me. Some people think about puppies. <laughs> Anybody? You're gonna, nobody's going to admit to that, are they? A couple. We got two puppies. What's the next one? Family. Anybody? I thought that could be awkward if like one spouse raised their hand and the other one <laughs> didn't. Y'all may need to work that out later. Next. Oh, coffee, that was a big one. I'll tell you, another one that was big was macaroni and cheese. Those were things that people think about when they think about love. Did anybody think of food? You're not getting, you're, wow, that was quick. Be bold, Barbara, all the way up. All right, what's next? Hugs. A few people thought of hugs. You probably never thought you would get advice on hugs at this church from this guy, but so some people have researched it, uh, Good, good use of your taxpayer money, researching hugs, two things that you can keep in mind. So ideal length of a hug is about five to seven seconds. 10 seconds and up is uncomfortable <laughs> for most. One second is too brief for some. And arm position is called crisscross. One over the shoulder, the other under the arm. I'm telling you, some people call that the swaddle. So you've learned something here today. So here's what I want you, whatever you thought about when you thought about love. 50 times, I counted 50 times in the New Testament, we're told that God loves us. I quit counting at 50. 50 times in the Old Testament, we're told God loved us. I quit counting. Just in Psalm 136, 26 times we're told God's love endures forever. It would not be an exaggeration. 150, 200 times in the Bible, we're told that God loves us. Whatever's in the box in your brain, when you hear the word love, that thing that you thought of when you closed your eyes, whatever that was, that's probably not, necess- that, that's probably not the same thing that's in mine. Maybe there's some overlap, but if, we've, if we each wrote five things or seven things or 10 things that we think about when we think about love, our, our lists would not be exactly the same. And that's not necessarily bad, except when I tell you I love you, And what I'm saying and what you're hearing are not necessarily the same thing. If what I'm saying is I'm putting you in the same category as macaroni and cheese and what you're hearing is he thinks I'm the most special person in the world. We're gonna, there's gonna be some disappointment along the way. And the same thing is true when we read or hear that God loves us. That's not news for anybody in this room. Every one of you's heard that, that God loves you, but What does he mean when he says it? When he hears the word love, what's in the box in his brain, if I can say it that way? 
I'll give you just one or two things to think about today. You've got a lot going on. So just one or two things that you can think about as you engage in all of your Christmas festivities. Most well-known verse in the Bible. Some people say this is the most translated sentence in the history of the world. That would be a difficult thing to prove, but it's very easy to believe. Because if this sentence is true, it's the best news ever told. It's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in that son will not perish but will live forever, will have eternal life. Again, if that's true, that's the best news ever. We're all going to die. And what that verse says is death is not a, it's not a wall that you run into, it's a door that you move through. It's a transition from this life to a better life if we're following Jesus. To believe in him is to trust in him or, or maybe you've heard the word put your faith in him but that can be a little squishy. What does that mean? It's, it's acknowledging that Jesus is your king and you're following him. That's what it means to believe in him or to trust in him or to put your faith in him. And if you do that, then when you die physically, you're not gonna die spiritually. You'll live forever with God. And actually the New Testament teaches you'll get a new body at some point in the future that's suited to eternity, much like the body Jesus had on the first Easter morning. Again, that's the best news ever because we all know we're gonna die. And what could be better news than to hear that this life is not all that there is? There's more to it and you can live a fuller and better life forever with God. Lots of things with Christmas maybe we would call excess where we've over-commercialized it, we've over-secularized it, we've minimized the role of Jesus in it. I'm not gonna be the grouchy pastor guy who's saying let's take Christmas back. It's just, it, it is kind of where it is at this point. And there, there's a lot to it. But I was thinking about that. There's a lot to it. Some of that is excess, but there's a lot to it because there really is a lot to it. If you go back and you read the first two chapters of Matthew and the first two chapters of Luke, that's all we get for Jesus' birth, just those four chapters. There was a lot going on. We, well, there was a lot of hoopla. There were angelic appearances. In Luke, we read an angel appears to shepherds and says, I bring you good news of great joy, a savior has been born in the town of David and then a, a great company of angels, hundreds, probably thousands is what that refers to. Can you picture that? Thousands of angels appear and begin to praise God. There's signs in the heavens, cosmic signs. There's a star, we call it the star of Bethlehem. And some people say it was a, a special star that God made just to mark the birth of Jesus. That could be the case. Other people say, no, it was a kind of a regular star, but it was in a particular place in the sky that if you knew what you were looking for, it indicated that there was a king of the Jews who'd been born. Either way, there were cosmic signs. There's angelic appearances. There's cosmic signs. You've got royalty, the wise men or the magi traveling hundreds of miles to get to Jesus and then giving him these gifts that are fit for a king, gold, Frankincense and myrrh certainly worth thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. You, we could say well, that's kind of excessive. That's a lot of hoopla around the birth of one guy. You all have things you're gonna do over the next 24 to 36 hours. You got presents to give and presents to receive and food to eat and places to go and people to see. And, and what I, I'm, I'm wanting for you and what I'm wanting for me, kids, students, adults, whether you know Jesus or you don't, whether this is your 
first time in this church and last time or this is a place where you come every Sunday. But I want you to know, as you're doing all of those things that you're doing, and they're wonderful, as you do them, what I want you to hear underneath all of that are the echoes the strains of God in heaven saying, I love you, and I love you, and I love you. There are other things in his box when he hears love, but one of the things that's in there, one of the things that comes to his mind when he hears the word love is your face. That's not egocentric, it's reality. God so loved the world, the basis, why Christmas? Because God loved the world. Love is at the foundation of all that we're doing. There's some silliness. I was walking this morning and I, back over here, there's a blown up dragon that says Merry Christmas. I, I, don't, I don't know how you make that connection. Whatever animals were in Bethlehem, a, a dragon wasn't one of them. But it's, uh, it doesn't, at this point, it's, well, it doesn't matter. It just is. But underneath that, there's something that matters greatly. And it's a great love that God has for you and that he has for me. There's a lot of hoopla. And some of it is, again, it's silly and excessive. But it's a, there's a lot going on because there actually was a lot going on. God so loved the world that he gave. Greatest gift he had, his son, so that you and I could live forever. 1 John 3.16, this is a not well, as well-known verse. This is how we know what love is, or this is what love looks like. Christ Jesus laid down his life for us. That's an Easter verse. But you can't understand Christmas without Easter, and you can't have Easter without Christmas. They're inseparably linked. Well over a hundred times in the Bible, we're told that God loves us. But like Katie Cavender just said, we don't just have to take his word for it. He showed us and he showed us on the cross the full extent of his love. Romans 5, 8, he demonstrated his love for us in this. While each one of us were still sinners, Jesus died for us. When, when God hears the word love, he thinks of you. And he thinks of the cross, the supreme demonstration in the history of the world of what love actually is. You don't have to take his word for it. He has demonstrated that for you. I did two weddings this week. And uh, in both cases, I'm, I'm always reminded when I do a wedding, the, the guy talks first. And that's not sexist or chauvinistic. In the New Testament, the church is called the bride of Christ. And that makes Jesus the groom. And when, I, when the guy goes first, when he gives the declar his declaration of intent, you know, I, I, yes, I, I'm here to be married to this woman. He gives his vows. I, you, take you, that whole thing, the rings, all of that, the guy always goes first. And the thing that I love about that symbolically, thinking about the guy in that as kind of an analog for Jesus, Jesus goes first. You know exactly where you stand, just like Those brides knew exactly where they stood. Before they said anything, they knew what this man felt about them. And more importantly, 
what he was committed to relative to them. You don't have to wonder with Jesus. He's made it abundantly clear. He loves you enough to die for you. The father loves you enough to send his most precious gift for you. And what he's wanting from all of us is a response. Let's pray. God, my prayer for everybody in the room, kids, students, adults, men, women, young, old, people who are following you, people who are angry at you, people who don't even think about you, is that over the next 24, 36 hours, as we're doing all of the awesome things that are Christmas, that we would hear in and around and under and over and through all of the hoopla, we would hear you whispering to us, I love you. Whatever we think about when we think about love, God, I pray that you would remind us that when you think about it, you think about us and you think about a cross that reconciles us to you. Would you draw us to yourself, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. 